Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. Hey, welcome to the Podcast Domination Show. I'm Luis Diaz, your host, and this is the show for podcasters or people who are thinking about starting a podcast but don't know how to grow it monetize it, launch it, and quite frankly, have fun with it. So that's what this show is here for. And that's what I'm going to help you do. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show today so you can learn where to get all of the free podcast marketing tools, tips, checklists, guides, and other awesome stuff to help you grow, launch, monetize your show, and more importantly, have fun. Let's dive in. What is going on, my friend? Welcome back to the show or welcome for the first time. You have joined at the very best possible time if you're a new listener because today I interview Mr. Jan Ilunga. Jan is a polygot, if I'm saying that right, which means he speaks five languages, which is pretty damn cool off off the top. Um, but besides that, Jan is a podcasting consultant, speaker, and uh, just a really awesome dude, a very knowledgeable guy. And we dive into all things podcast growth related. So a few things I really want you guys to pay attention and take away from this episode. Number one is the two-folded deadly mistake that's keeping you from growing your show. We tackled this uh, at the very beginning. Listen in for that. Make sure you're not making those mistakes. Number two, the three T's uh, principle that Jan explains. And this is basically a way that uh, you can analyze what you're doing, fix it, tweak it, modify it. And uh, it's definitely something you really want to implement right after this episode. And then last but not least, the topic upgrade strategy that uh, he has used with his clients. I have also used with my clients. I didn't know exactly what it was until he explained it. And then I was like, oh crap, hey, I use that too. And it's really, really awesome. And it actually works. And basically it helps you grow your email list. So I'm actually going to start using it a lot more now that uh, I spoke with Jan about it. So Enjoy the episode, take notes, listen, and be sure to text 345-345. And when you text that number, you're going to text the three letters FPS, F as in Fox, P as in Purple, S as in Sarah. Text FPS to 345-345, and you're going to get the link to Jan's private Facebook group. It's called the Podcast Growth Mastermind, a really awesome group that I'm a part of. Join Jan and I there, and... If you're not 
in the US or Canada, you can just go to facebook.com and type in podcast growth mastermind and check it out there. Either way, get in the group, uh, share your thoughts and feedback on the podcast and we'll talk to you later. Peace. All right. So what is going on? Welcome back. This is Lewis, and I'm joined today by a guy I've been following online for a few years, uh, but uh, never got never really got a chance to connect with him until a few weeks ago, and it was a very pleasant surprise. Sometimes you meet people, and they're not what they <laughs> seem to be online, but that definitely wasn't the case here with uh, with Young Ilunga. Young, how are you doing, my friend? Louis, I'm pumped and I'm happy I passed the test. (laughs) (laughs) I heard some things about you before and I was like, before I even met you, through some mutual friends and they were like, Jan's awesome. I'm like, okay, great. So like, it's not, (laughs) there's no problem there. So you passed the test before I even met you kind of because you're good reviews from mutual friends. So (laughs) good to hear. uh, Yeah, it's always good. Yeah. You don't want to hear the opposite, Right. (laughs) Right. All right. Um, so before, I'm sure not everyone on this call or listening to this podcast is familiar with your work, Jan. So I'd love to dive in, but I want to give some, just some background context about you and and kind of what you you do. Um, for, so the first cool thing that I learned about you, Jan, is that you are a polygot, if I'm saying that right. And you speak Italian, English, French, German, and some Finnish. So I feel really embarrassed. I speak like one and a half languages. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. And I, I really want to, um, I guess before we go on, how did, how long did it take you to, to learn all those languages? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, how people may guess from my accent, English is not my mother tongue. And that's because I'm originally from the Italian speaking part of Switzerland. And I had the luck actually of being born in Switzerland, which is a country that has Mm -hmm. four national languages. So Italian, French, and German come from there. So Mm there weren't really choices. Well, Italian is my mother tongue. And then French and German, we had to learn it at school, used German when I was in in the Swiss army as well. And I've started learning French on, hmm, I think it's maybe third grade or even second grade. And German, we have five grades in elementary school, four of secondary school, and then I went to high school, university, so it's four of high school, three of undergrad, and I also did graduate, so that's two additional years. And so it's many grades. So French in second grade, German, I think it's like maybe seventh grade or something like that. And English... I think was eighth or ninth grade, something like that. So I've been kind of learning those languages for years and English, I've been using it both during my studies. So for example, my master's or graduate program here, I did at the University of Helsinki in Finland. It was Mm -hmm. all in English. English is the language I use for my profession. So I've been using those languages for years. Finnish is the one I learned the last and simply because I've been living in Finland now for a few years. So it made sense to learn it. It's quite a difficult language and you can't really connect it to anything. So that's also what is difficult. For example, languages like Italian and French, there are some similarities or Italian and Spanish, for example. But Finnish is kind of its own entity. So I've been learning now all those languages for several years, 
even though I have to admit that French and German are a bit trusty because I don't really get to use them here in Finland, but especially French, which I know better than German. If I were to watch a movie in French, for example, I would understand probably like 90% of what they're saying. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, um, that's, oh, that's, you could definitely start a few podcasts in a few different nationalities or languages. Right. <laughs> that talent. Um, awesome. So, uh, just a little bit more about Jan. So, uh, you were dubbed the podcast advocate by Forbes, which is mm-hmm. pretty damn cool, I have to say. Um, and I, I know your work has been featured in Inc., uh, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, Founder Magazine. So, you've been kind of anywhere, everywhere, man. I mean, right. you, you get, you get around. <laughs> and uh, so, right now, um, so the, the to preface this, this podcast interview, we're mainly what I wanted to bring you on for Jan was to just dive into how you help people, especially, you know, small businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, successfully launch and plan and really grow their podcast audience. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge question that I get all the time. Um, I have, you know, I have coaching calls with my clients once a month and this is always the biggest question. So I figured like, you know, like I have some strategies and tactics, um, but uh, it's always awesome to get some someone who's ahead of the game, um, who's been there and done that way more than me, to to expand on the topic. So, so I guess let's um, before we dive into the meat of this episode, I'd love to just get a little bit more about your background. I know we touched on the the whole language uh, aspect of things, um, but uh, I guess let's, I'd love to take a few minutes to um, just learn about you and just uh, share more about your journey in podcasting. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my academic background is actually in communications. So that's what I studied at both bachelor or undergraduate, if you're in the US, master's and graduate level. So that's what I studied at university. That's what kind of my core expertise is. I worked as a journalist for some years, and then I decided to start my own online venture, online project, my own business. And initially I was uh, focusing on digital marketing. And I started my first podcast, The Jazz Spotlight, almost five years ago. And I realized that people kept asking me podcasting related questions from the microphone I was using to the technical side of podcasting to how I got to interview uh, different types of people because I host several podcasts. My second podcast, which is now uh, finished, is called 360 Entrepreneur is 230 episodes, still available on the major podcasting platforms. And people would ask me, how did you get to interview Grammy Award winning artists, New York Times bestselling authors, top entrepreneurs? And I would answer questions, whether it was via Facebook, email, in person. And then at some point I said to myself, wait a second, I keep getting questions about podcasting and I keep answering them. Maybe I should look into podcasting more seriously and start actually become an expert at podcasting since people keep asking me those things. So I kind of shifted my focus toward podcasting. I focused Mm -hmm. more and more on that. I organized the Podcast Success Summit, which is a digital conference about podcasting. I've created courses. I have the Podcast Success Academy, which is a membership site. And now uh, that's what I focus on full time. So I'm a podcasting consultant. With some clients, we work on things that aren't necessarily podcasting related, like business strategy or helping them with the digital marketing side of things. But most of the work I do focuses on podcasting, whether it's getting started, the strategy of connecting 
one's business with a podcast, yeah, marketing one's podcast or podcast guesting as well. Got it. Then it's it's funny how there's so many different facets of this business and mm-hmm. and this uh, thing. It's like it turns into its own, like you said, it turns into its own business. It turns into its own whole um, just realm. And <laughs> getting those, those, they start off with the small questions, right? And then it starts to getting to how do we integrate this into a business and really start to make this thing, um, you know, work for us instead of just being a thing we kind of do on the side, right? Uh, um, awesome. So, I, so you have currently how many podcasts do you have? I know you. I've seen the three hundred and sixty entrepreneur podcast. That's a great, awesome podcast, by the way. Thanks. And um, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, what are I guess? I mean, how many do you have right now? And what are some of the biggest things that you're working on um, uh, for with, with those podcasts? Yeah. So the current one, which is actually my main one, is called the Podcast Lab, and it's a show that is all about podcasting. And in that show, we cover and I teach podcasting, but I do so with a different format compared to other shows about podcasting. So we have sound effects, we have sound bites from other podcasts, we have expert contributions as a sort of uh, roundup, as you see in blogging, roundup posts, but I have them in the show. So that's the core podcast now. And then the other podcast that is ongoing that has a new season is the Jazz Potlet, which is actually my first podcast. So those are the main two podcasts. And then there are actually a couple of other podcasts that I've been kind of mentally working on that they would be more of passion projects than right. actual, for example, both the Jazz Potlet and the Podcast Lab, they... I use them for business purposes. So the other two shows would be just interests. So they wouldn't necessarily be, uh, yeah, business assets, if you will. So yeah, the fun, Podcast yeah. Lab and the Jazz Spotlight, my music business podcast, are the two shows that I currently am focusing on. Got it. Love it. And and right now, you said, you said before, with your consulting practice, you work with a lot of uh, podcasters just starting out or people who are looking who have shows that are ongoing and they're good, but they want to get to the next level. Um, and I, I really wanted to dive in there and, and mm-hmm. kind of talk to you about what are some of the bigger mistakes that you're seeing with when people hire you for consulting or they want to work with you um, and they have a show, maybe that's going, maybe they just, let's just take it from the context of they just launched the show, right? Like there are maybe five to 10 episodes in and they're like, Hey, Jan, you know, how do I grow this thing? Um, you know, what are some of the bigger mistakes you see them doing that could instantly um, help them, you know, turn the ship around or, or grow faster? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Well, the first thing I would say is that it really certain things or certain steps vary depending on, for example, whether you're podcasting for uh, for business purposes or if you're just podcasting for for fun. If, if right. your podcast is a hobby, then certain things may be kind of not, uh, or you shouldn't necessarily stress about them as much as if you uh, podcast for business purposes. Now, to really address your question, Luis, I think what is probably the biggest mistake I see many podcasters make when it comes to the growth of their show is that it's actually a twofold mistake. The first one is that they don't really have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. So they just think that, well, sending out a tweet is marketing or uh, asking random people who are maybe in the same Facebook group as you are 
for to the asking them to share your podcast is a way of promoting your podcast. So the first mistake uh, I see is that people don't really have a custom marketing plan. And I want to emphasize or stress the word custom because what works for my podcast, for my context and my audience may not work for your podcast, your context and your audience. So that's why I think it's important for everybody to keep in mind that when you share advice on podcasts like these or books or courses or whatever, you always have to, uh, I always say, you have to do three things and I call it the three T's principle. So the first T is to test. So take what you have learned from the expert, from the people, whatever, and apply it to your own context. So test it. Then the second T is track. So keep an eye on what's happening. And the third T stands for tweak. So test the thing, keep an eye on the stats, and then track, uh, sorry, then tweak. So change a few things or move on. So it's important for you to, to keep in mind that if somebody, you hear somebody says, for example, well, with Facebook advertising, I, I was able to increase my listenership of, I don't know, 500%. You may be like, well, if I just follow his or her steps, I'm going to get the same outcome. And that's not the case. So the first mistake or the first part of these two-folded mistakes is the lack of a clear plan to follow. And then the second mistake is the lack of focus on the evergreen and long-term dimension. And here's what I mean, Luis. In all probability, most of the content we create as podcasters is relevant and useful today, tomorrow, next month, next year, and even a few years from now. But not many podcasters keep that in mind. They keep yeah, they think that, well, I should just focus on my last episode. And as soon as I'm done with that, I have to move on to the next one. But you have to remember that people are going to find out about your podcast in different ways. And the latest episode may be something they completely don't care about, but perhaps your second episode is covers a topic that they're like, wow, this is exactly what I was looking for. So it's important, I believe, for each podcaster to have a blueprint to follow, a mm-hmm. system, and making sure that the last step of the system is something that allows for you or your content rather to be promoted and shared long-term, meaning not only today, tomorrow, and next week, but I'm talking about also next month, next quarter, next year, and the years to come. Got it. God, that's such a great, great point. And, and yeah, the custom strategy, because you can copy anyone's and you can assume that it's going to work for them or work for you, it'll work for you, but that's not always the case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely not always the case. And it's funny you mentioned that uh, and how people find your show so differently. Like, for instance, say on my other podcast, my Lean, Ripped, and Healthy podcast, which is a health and fitness podcast for men over 30 mm-hmm. um, who typically want to lose weight and, and just live a healthier lifestyle. I spoke with a guy who's, you know, he's, he goes to work, he works for eight hours a day. He's like, I love your content. I've consumed it like for like eight hours a day for the past couple of weeks. I'm nice. <laughs> just like, you know, it's like, you know, they start at like episode one and I'm, we're up over a hundred episodes now. So you're right. It's, you know, your latest episode may not be really 
impactful or helpful for them, but episode mm-hmm. three or four or two could be exactly what they're looking for. And I wanted to circle back to that last part about making it shareable for the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love to like kind of articulate and expand on that. Um, what what does that look like for maybe for example for your show? And I know that might not be applicable to everyone, but um, just to give some context as to what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic question, Louis. And you're right, may not kind of apply to everybody, but the concept, if you want, mm-hmm. it will. And basically what the last step of my marketing of an episode looks like is I add a series of posts and tweets into a social media uh, scheduling tool. And there is plenty of options. The one I use is called Social B. With some of my clients, I've been using Meet Edgar. In the past, I used Post Planner. There is another one called Recur Post, Social Pilot. There is plenty of social media scheduling tools. But mm-hmm. the feature, you want to make sure the one you use, or if you are considering options, the option you go for has, is the ability for the content to be basically posted automatically. So right. the way it works in Social B, Meet Edgar and similar tools is you create uh, a schedule. So you say, for example, okay, I want a tweet to be sent out every day at 10 a.m., one at 2 p.m. and one at 9 p.m., for example. Then what you do is you create library of contents or cues or however you want to refer to them as. Buckets can be another option. And then you simply say to the tool, okay, from this bucket, I want you to take out a tweet and post it every 10 hours or post it at a specific uh, times I set up. And what that means is those are steps you do once and then adding fuel to the machine if you want. So adding uh, tweets, posts that promote your latest episodes is something that literally takes you just a few minutes. So once you have set up the parameters, the tool is running in the background automatically. That's what you do. You simply write posts, tweets, different variations. Perhaps you add some images, you add some, I don't know, GIFs or GIFs, however you call them. You can add some audio snippets, some videos, whatever resources you have. And that's where then the tool will do the work for you. So it will consistently be promoting your content. And that means that the more content you have, the less you're going to sound like a broken record. So if you just have five episodes, for example, perhaps you want to start with one post a day because you don't want the same post to to appear every single day because people are going to start to get annoyed and that's going to start to look spammy. On the other hand, if you have 50 episodes, then it's okay for the posts to go out more frequently because what you post today may not be displayed again for a month or even two months. So that's the aspect with social media. The other aspects that I think is still overlooked quite a bit is to actually leverage the content of your episodes in other contexts. One can be your email marketing. You may have an email marketing uh, software you use. Perhaps you have a welcome sequence or something like that when somebody signs up for your email. And what you could do is you could use that email or series of emails to actually direct people toward your favorite episodes. So instead 
of basically telling a person, here there is the entire archive of episodes, good luck. You can cherry pick and say, and say, these are the greatest hits. Go for episodes one, episode 10, episode 25, episode 78. You are the one that can kind of dictate in a way or recommend the listener journey. So I would say the, the kind of um, adding content into a social media scheduling tool that works automatically is a very, very important step. And another step is to add or leverage your podcast content in other in other contexts. So your email sequence can be one. Another one can be repurpose your audio content into written content for your blog or even for websites like LinkedIn Publishing, Medium.com and so forth. Yeah, great points there. And and one interesting thing I've, I'll share with you that I've done with my emails is I will put a... Um, a best, like a fan favorite mm-hmm. little link at the bottom. So it's almost like a footer. So I have like, you know, fan favorite best episodes and it's just my top three highest downloaded episodes that I keep there because I know people are loving those. So I'll have that as a footer in my email swipes for all my clients. Um, I, I think we might do away with it. Uh, we're actually kind of re- restructuring our, our email swipe files, but, um, but that's been a, it's been an interesting one. That's good. That's like you said, it helps the customer, helps the client, right. Instead of saying, Hey, good luck. I have 600 episodes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find something in there. You like, uh, you you actually serve them better and giving them the ones that are tested and proven that people actually like. So, uh, awesome point there. And that kind of leads me to my next question. As far as, uh, you mentioned social B and I've heard you speak about this in podcast movement, 2018 which, um, you know, you, you shared on your Facebook, uh, inside your Facebook group, mm-hmm. which I'm a part of, which is the podcast growth mastermind. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. If I got that name wrong. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It is. I'm, yes. Okay. I'm a part of a couple of different podcasting communities. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They get, they get, the names get kind of twisted up, but, um, we'll have that link in the show notes for anyone else who was interested in joining. Um, but you mentioned that, and that was an awesome tool. So uh, are there any other commonly overlooked tools, uh, maybe for someone's website or just helping them get the word out there about their podcast that you think people could definitely leverage um, quite easily in today's world? Yeah, absolutely. Before I answer your question, Luis, is it okay if I uh, double down on something you started saying? Absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> Great. I think the the concept of leveraging the the email, so displaying the the listeners' favorite episodes or the ones you handpick or things like that, it's also important, especially if you podcast for business purposes, because if you have certain episodes that are the entry level of a sales funnel or are episodes where you mention a specific product or service you sell then I think it's a smart idea to actually include some of those episodes in your email because there you mention, let's say, your book or something like that in a way that makes sense for the conversation. So perhaps it's an episode that it's all about a specific topic and at the end you mention a book you have on that topic. So that's something uh, I wanted to add in case there is somebody listening to you and I who has a business connected to a podcast or a podcast connected to a business writer (laughs) and they were thinking, "Ah, okay, what kind of episodes should I go for? So I think that if one is getting started and isn't sure, I would personally handpick a few episodes 
that are connected, as I said, for example, to a sales funnel or something like that. Great, great, great point. Um, share with you some personal experience on that. Um, I have a, I used to sell a product called the 8% Body Fat Blueprint, which is a, mm-hmm. a fat loss product for men. And I shared my horror story on a podcast once. I just took the, the, uh, the story out of the sales page and shared it on a podcast, talked about it very openly. And it was one of my best episodes. And I had people still coming back to me. It's like, man, like I resonated so much with that story. It was just like my story. And uh, and it was just a story. Like it was just, but it was like you were saying, it was open, it was the, the open end or the top end of my, my sales funnel. Mm-hmm. The whole reason why I made the product in the first place. So, um, so great, great point. That's um, a great idea. Um, and yeah, let's uh, go ahead and go ahead and proceed. Do you want me to say the question again, or do you still have it in your mind? Cause I know I yeah, jump up yeah. on tangents. No, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I, I still, I still remember, still okay. have a pretty good memory. <laughs> well, one, one tool I think is essential. And I think for me, I would probably say is the tool that my podcasting workflow couldn't exist without is a project management tool called Trello. Mm-hmm. Amen. And okay, you're familiar with Trello. A- and, Amen. <laughs> and there are a few other options like Airtable or Asana. And basically, uh, initially, I would use Trello just to have some kind of notes and my content calendar. But over the last year or so, I've really started to centralize more and more things. So for example, if in the past I would have my calendar in Trello, my notes in something like Google Docs or Pages, and then I would use another tool for other things, I've really tried to centralize everything. So now for the Jazz Spotlight, for example, where I do conduct interviews, I have a card for an episode, and in that card I have the bio of the person I interviewed, the pointers, everything. So that then when I'm looking for, for something, I know is in Trello. So I use Trello for planning. I use it for as, as the actual asset for the interviews. I use it for basically I have my podcast marketing plan and blueprint. I have it in a Trello board. I use it to work with clients. So I think it is essential to have a tool like Trello. And it doesn't really matter what kind of you look like, whether you are working by yourself, you are part of a team, uh, you have a remote team. The cool thing about Trello and similar tools is that you can bring people on board as well. So if I were to pick one tool, I would say a project management tool like Trello, Airtable, Asana is a must. Then another one that I kind of learn the lesson the hard way is to have a tool, a digital tool or a cloud-based tool like Dropbox or Google Drive, where you can have um, all of your content and access it from any device you own. So I would say those. And then another one that I found um, very, very useful is to have a scheduling tool. I use one called Book Like a Boss. In the past, I've used Acuity Scheduling, I've used um, Calendly, there is plenty of options. But the cool thing about those kind of tools is that you set up your availability, your schedule. So for example, if the only time slot you have available to record interviews is on Monday from 1 to 6 p.m. your time, you make that available. 
connect the tool to your Google Calendar or iCalendar, whatever calendar you use. And then you have a special link. So instead of emailing back and forth with the guests to see what time would work, what day and everything, you just send them the link of your scheduler and they're going to see the availability in their time zone, which is perfect. So project management tool, a scheduling tool, and then something to save your content online, something like Dropbox or Google Drive are three tools I would recommend every podcaster has his in or her toolkit. Absolutely. Yeah. Trello is the number one there. Trello. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Couldn't couldn't survive without Trello. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I'll have all those linked up in the show notes for everyone who is interested or has questions. Uh, Lots of stuff to dive in there uh, as well. Uh, In terms of the the website, now that's obviously a huge piece. Um, And your website's fantastic, by the way. So I think (laughs) it's beyond website, just model what he's doing and (laughs) you'll be okay. (laughs) So, so, um, I mean, do you get this question a lot when people, you know, when you work with clients to help them grow their podcast specifically for uh, increasing subscribers, whether that be uh, an email list or maybe they're optimizing for just getting more podcast subscribers, are there any uh, things or basics really that uh, you think every website should cover uh, on that aspect? Yeah, I think actually the first thing is to understand that you do need a website. And I think I see, for example, you mentioned the podcast growth mastermind and thank you, Louis, for being part of the group. I see some people who basically say, well, I don't need a website because the media hosting I use allows me to create a specific kind of podcast webpage, which is true, but that's something you have no control over. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you have your own online headquarters, your own website, you can shape it in any way you want. You can add as many pages as you want. You can add as many components as you want. So I think the first step is actually to make sure that you have a website. And then it's also to make sure that you have a page dedicated to the to the specific podcast. And on that page, you have to, again, keep in mind that not everybody who lands on that page is familiar with your podcast and people use different devices. So I think it is important to have a player that allows people to browse through your archive of episodes and perhaps even listen to them. And I'm thinking of... Uh, players like the smart podcast player or the simple Mm -hmm. podcast press player, for example, then it's also important to provide people with a few options in terms of podcast listening apps. I believe that only using the Apple podcasts button isn't the smartest move, smartest move for the fact that not everybody uses an iOS device. So you can't expect people to to do everything. If somebody really wants to look and find your podcast, they're going to do that. But the less friction you have, the better. So I would say consider adding a couple of additional links to your podcast on other platforms like Google Podcasts, perhaps Radio Public that works with both iOS and Android. There is plenty of options, but I would say at least add three, three buttons, perhaps Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify is another one. So Apple Podcasts, yeah. Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, and Radio Public are, are the ones I would personally add in terms of buttons there. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. That's, um, that's always a good question. A good thing to cover because yeah, everyone has their own kind of favorite thing. And I've never really met someone who uses two different types of podcast players. It's like you either use an, you know, Apple podcasts or use some other Android device, but you never see people really using two. Um, Mm -hmm. you kind of got your own, everyone's kind of different in that aspect. So, so great point there. Uh, in terms of, of getting your customer, you're getting your listeners to interact with you. Mm-hmm. This is something that um, in preparing for this interview really piqued my interest uh, because it's at the end of the day, it's a two-way medium, right? You have your, you mm-hmm. have to talk to them and then they also need to be able to give you feedback and making that as easy as possible to curate the content and then come up with better content to serve them is that you know, it's kind of an essential piece knowing their input and knowing what they want. So uh, in terms of, getting people like our customers or clients to take the next step so they can interact with their audience. What are some ways you go about that? When someone comes to you with a podcast and like, you know, I want to get feedback from my audience. How's the best way to go about that? Yeah. Well, so the first thing is to realize that unfortunately at this very moment, podcast listening apps don't do a great job at allowing us to foster engagement. There are some apps like Breaker, for example, that do have an option of kind of messaging or commenting back and forth, but that's kind of the exception. So what you want to do first and foremost is to have a way to communicate with your listeners, and that can be direct them toward your email list. You can direct them toward a Facebook group like I have. And I would say, Those are the first things. So think about a common space you can create where people get access to you, but at the same time, they also get access to each other because listening to a podcast is an individual experience. And sometimes I see it in my Facebook group, for example, when I post, hey, where are you guys from? And sometimes there are people who live literally like 10 minutes from each other and they had no idea. And I think it is important to keep in mind that it's not only about you communicating with your audience and the other way around, but it's also about members of your audience communicating with each other. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and I actually saw somebody posted about this in my Facebook group, maybe a couple of months ago, was talking about the fact that this person wanted to have feedback. But the problem with that approach is that it looks, it kind of has a selfish connotation in the sense that it's all about, okay, this is what I want. It's only about me, 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 me. So you have to find ways of actually changing the, the focus a little bit and make it a more crowdsourcing experience. So if I just say, hey guys, let me know what you think with your emails, mm, that, that's not really telling much. It's more like, well, hey, you tell me and that's it. On the other hand, if I were to say, hey guys, join me next Wednesday for a Facebook Live, it's a Q&A, ask me anything, then I'm turning the tables because now it's not about, hey, I need your feedback. Now it's, it's the other way around. It's, hey, the tables have turned. I'm here, ask me anything. And guess what? If you're, if you're crafty enough, you can make sure that you, when you have the audience show up, people are engaged say, and say, hey, by the way, did you guys have a chance to listen 
to the latest couple of episodes? Yes. Oh, let me know in the comments. What did you think? Did you like them? I experimented with, with a new format. I typically don't do solo episodes. The last three episodes were solo. What were your thoughts? Let me know in the comments or with some programs, you can even bring people on the Facebook live with you. So I would say, think about not making it only about, I need this from you and this being the feedback, but make it a more kind of two-way experience where it's, for example, a Q&A where it's like, hey, I'm here, I'm giving you access to me. I answer your questions. And at the same time, you ask mm -hmm. questions of your own. Got it. Got it. So making it obviously more open to them and serving them in a sense, it's another way of serving your audience. Exactly. You. Yeah. Got and it. unfortunately, you know, I wish I had a better answer, but as of today, that's what we have to do. We can't really rely on a specific podcasting platform to do that. Yeah. We can have surveys, for example, and I know Radio Public uh, recently launched uh, a new feature. I think they call it call to actions where basically you can add, for example, the button to a survey connected to a specific podcast episode. So mm. that can help. But I think that for me personally, I think that when you want to crowdsource your community, making it a more two-way things like a Q&A is more effective. And as I said early on, I think it's very powerful if you create a common ground where people can come together, whether it's a Facebook group, a forum, you, you need to have an email list, don't get me wrong, but the email list, once again, is you communicating with somebody one-on-one -on -one or you communicate with your community one-to-many, but members of your community don't get the chance to communicate with each other on your email list. That's why I refer to something like a Facebook group, for example, or a Slack community or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Facebook and Slack are probably the best options. Uh, within Facebook groups, you can obviously make a little poll at the top. Um, I've done this in the past where I've said, hey, I'm doing a QA. and a um, Here are the topics that we're thinking about uh, sharing. Just vote on questions or topics you want to ask. So I'll pick right. three or four that are top and then we'll go from there. So yeah, great, simple ways to, to really engage your audience, get them involved in the in the content creation process. Um, mm. one, one tip I learned from Daniel J. Lewis uh, a few, a little while back was, I think it was, it was, um, basically, so when you're launching a podcast, you can go and basically, you know, six weeks out, email your list, email your, your Facebook list or, or, or you know, make some kind of survey and say, hey, I'm launching a podcast. What are the top, you know, couple of questions or top things you'd like me to speak on. Um, so very simple. It comes to what you were saying in terms of just getting out there and surveying them in a way that's going to help them um, as opposed to, hey, I need, I need your feedback on this. Yeah, getting, exactly. Yeah. Getting more to, to, to help create the content for you almost or give you some more direction there. Great. And you mentioned email lists and growing that. So that's always a question I get too. And um, I, I don't know if you get this a lot, Jan, but people will ask you, so how many subscribers does my podcast have? on iTunes. And I'm like, uh, I mean, you tell me, I don't think, I'm pretty sure there's no way to find that out exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but. there are new tools today that kind of claim to allow you to do that, but yeah, I haven't, if I haven't used them and I don't, so I, for example, for my podcasts, I would have no idea. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't care because anyways, it's so that I know that even if one subscribes to your podcast, it doesn't mean that that person listens mm -hmm. to your episodes, you know, 
every single time you publish some new content. So even if you have 5 million subscribers, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have all those people tuning in to your episodes every single time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it, it always kind of makes me laugh how many questions, how many, I get that question all the time. How many subscribers does my podcast have? I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't help you there. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Um, but w- I wanted to turn around to turn back to email list and growing an email list. Uh, if you had any stories uh, that you could share uh, with past clients yourself about successful strategies or just some ways you've gone about growing an email list with a podcast, because mm-hmm. that's something that that comes across my desk and I've had some ideas and strategy too, but I'd love to get an idea of, of what uh, has worked for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have actually one one strategy that I kind of came up with, at least in terms of the the term, that it's actually a blogging strategy. And that's something I've implemented, especially with the clients of mine who are interested in being a guest. Are you familiar, uh, Louis, with the content upgrade technique? Uh, I've heard, I'm familiar with the word content upgrade, but not the technique part. So yeah, so so yeah please expand. Yeah, the, the idea is to, for and it comes from blogging. So the idea is that you create a content upgrade, which is a resource you give in exchange for somebody's email address, mm-hmm. and you create it for every single piece of content you create. So if you are a blogger and you write 10 blog posts a month, you would have 10 content upgrades. So basically 10 different ways for you to grow your email list. The problem with that approach when it comes to podcasting and podcasting both in terms of hosting a podcast or guesting on podcasts is that you may be creating a lot of content and you may not have the time to create a content upgrade for every episode Mm -hmm. you are part of. So the idea I came up with, I basically call it a topical upgrade. So what I invite my clients to do is to sit down, open Trello or take a piece of paper and a pen and think about four or five topics or sad topics they often discuss. So for example, in my case, it can be getting started with podcasting, It can be podcast marketing, it can be podcast monetization, it can be podcast guesting, and then create one downloadable resource for each of those so that then, depending on the podcast you're featured on or the angle the interview takes or the the perspective you cover the specific topic from, you have a downloadable resource that is relevant to the topic of the interview because the effectiveness of the content upgrade technique stands from the fact that the downloadable resource is connected to the topic of the blog post. So if somebody is reading the blog post, it's because they're interested in the topic. And if your downloadable resource is the next step and is connected to the topic, well, guess what? Chances of them taking the next step and becoming email subscriber are pretty good. On the other hand, if you just have a general downloadable resource, sometimes it may have absolutely nothing to do with the topic of the episode or the blog post. And that's where the conversion may not happen. So with the topical upgrade, you kind of 
find a, a, a midpoint, if you want, where you don't create a downloadable resource for a, each episode. But on the other hand, you know that you have a resource that is pretty well connected to the topic you covered. So with, with a client of mine, for example, who yeah, is in the nutrition space, that's the mistake she had. She had a general downloadable resource that mm. sometimes wasn't really a fit to the interview and she still would mention it anyways. But then I think that in people's heads, they would, they would ask themselves, okay, why did she talk about this topic? And now she mentions a resource on this other topic. It doesn't really make sense. But on the other hand, after we have worked together and she created those resources and funnels connected to each, then she was able to rotate them depending on what she would talk about as a podcast guest. Got it. Got it. That's actually really funny because I have a, I have one client doing that right now. It's it's a strategy. Huh, nice, perfect. Yeah, and it works. <laughs> it it really does because they have like four. They're in the health and fitness space, and they have four four main things. They have main offers that are these big funnels. Um, so yeah, it, it's great point. And uh, now that you explained it, I, I know what you're talking about. It and it actually does. We've worked, we've used it before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we got a I've got a personal testimonial for you for you there. Um, (laughs) uh, moving forward. So that, that's, that's a huge question. I think that uh, will help a lot of people and, and really wrapping up here, Jan, what are, I guess, what are some key points that you want to kind of instill for someone who's looking to grow their podcast? And, you know, they're kind of, I think going back to what you said with the customization of a strategy to promote is huge before we jump off here. What are some of the key points that people can walk away from? from this episode with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the first one, and I think you and I may have talked about this at Podcast Movement in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. is you need to have critical thinking. So as we were saying early on, it's not that because I said that I I, follow, I carried out steps one, two, three, four, five, and I got this outcome that if you were to do exactly the same thing, you're going to get the same outcome. So I think that at the moment, you really understand that and you stop comparing your chapter to to somebody else's chapter 22, you're going to start to get rid of a lot of frustration, which is very, very important. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is basically what, what we said, we covered early on, is that you need to, first of all, you need to spend time on the marketing because at the end of the day, the marketing is what moves the needle. Sure, content matters. And I remember uh, Rob Walsh of Lipsin from uh, for my podcast, The Podcast Lab. He said something like, if you take a pig and you put a, a, a bow on it, it's still a, a pig with a bow. <laughs> and his point is very true. So if your content is bad, you can have all of the marketing in the world, but it's, you're still going to be distributing bad content. But on the other hand, if your content is fantastic, but you don't do any marketing, you can't really expect to like people to suddenly find your podcast. And remember, you may be competing if you're an independent podcaster, especially you may be competing against quote unquote, against companies that have, you know, millions of of dollars to invest in marketing and advertising and maybe that you don't have that kind of a budget and it's okay. I'm not saying you have to break the bank, but you really have to, as you're planning 
your podcasting workflow, you need to make sure that you have some some time to invest in the promotion and you can do it by yourself. You can hire somebody. Perhaps you already have somebody you're working with. You can hire somebody like me that can help you, especially with the with the blueprint that you have so that then you can follow the steps by yourself or have somebody else carry those out. That's also something I do with some clients. But I think it is important to really understand that marketing is essential. And one final thing I would say related to the marketing and what we've covered here is that you shouldn't focus your marketing efforts only on your community. So for example, if you have a Facebook group, let's say, promoting your latest podcast episodes inside your Facebook group and to your email list isn't enough because you're sharing content with somebody who's already familiar with your podcast. And some people may be subscribers of your show, so they do see when a new episode is out. So it's important for you that you try to find places your ideal listener is spending time on that you haven't focused on. So don't just keep promoting to people who already know what you're all about. Yeah, Try to find and kind of jump on the opportunity of unclaimed audiences. So people who are yet to know who you are and what you do. And that can be at in-person events, at conferences. It can be in different Facebook groups. It can be on completely different social media platforms. It can be doing that and kind of getting in front of them by being interviewed on other people's podcasts and things like that. So don't only focus on your current listeners, but really look to expand your audience size by looking at people who are yet to know who you are and what your show is all about. I love it. Great. Yeah, and that's so true. But finding out where your customers are already or your listeners are already at and going to them instead of expecting them to uh, to find you. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Does not work. Right. And have a conversation with them. Yeah. That's also, you know, a mistake. I get so many emails, tweets, Facebook messages by people that I have no idea who they are. And it's like, hey, listen to my show, subscribe to my show, like my show. And I'm like, who are you? Like seriously? Yeah. There's no So remember that we are we are people. So you do you know, growing an audience, an engaged audience is something that takes time. And when I say takes time, I don't I don't mean a few weeks or even a few months, it's something that takes years. So you need to be uh, to be ready to really put in the the effort to really talk to people, and that's how you then build a kind of a very engaged community, and you also form diehard fans because when everybody else is ignoring their audience or is just talking to them, you know. In general terms, hey, hey guys, you are the one that actually stands out because you connect with them one-on-one and you touch upon kind of per- personal aspects where a person really feels acknowledged rather than just feeling a number or simply a member of your podcast audience. True. Yeah. The, the conversation. Yeah. It comes back to to what you're really doing on a podcast, which is communicating, right? And, Absolutely. and having a way to... to create a two-way dialogue. Um, Jan, before we get off, where can people connect with you, find more about you and, and what you offer, what you do, and um, all the uh, awesome podcasts that you have going on? I haven't listened to it to the Jazz podcast yet, but I'm going to dive into that one. So 
I love the other one. Oh, but, thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, one one note on that podcast, even though it contains the title contains the word jazz, is not so much of a jazz podcast. So the interviews with artists are with jazz artists mm-hmm. for the most part, but the rest of the interviews are with music industry experts. Uh-huh, so even cool. if you are listening to this, you are an independent musician but you aren't a jazz artist, you're still going to get plenty of of, uh, of advice on, on the jazz spotlight. Now, in terms of where people can connect with me, you mentioned my website, yanilunga.com. So that's my online hub there. People can learn more about me, find the content, find the products and services I provide. And the other place I would encourage everybody to to join you and I, because you said it, you are mm-hmm. part of it as well, Proud member. is to actually join the Podcast Growth Mastermind, which is a free Facebook group that Forbes dubbed Podcast Community to join. And you can join it completely for free, as I said, by simply going to yanilunga.com for a slash community. So that's Y-A-N-N-I-L-U. N-G-A, so yanilunga.com for a slash community, and you'll be redirected to the Facebook group page. Again, the name is Podcast Growth Mastermind. Got it. Love it. And I, what I'll do is I'll set up a, um, a text opt-in for people who want to just text the number, and that way they can just opt into the group right there and join you and I. Um, also, I really, really appreciate your time today, Jan, and um, uh, yeah, I'm just really thankful. Glad to have uh, met you f- uh, finally in person for a few weeks, a few weeks back at in uh, podcast movement. But um, yeah, uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening and joining. And all the uh, resources that Jan and I mentioned are going to be in the show notes. So be sure to check them out. Um, and once again, the text opt in uh, before in the beginning of this episode and after this episode will direct you there. So um, Jan, signing off. Uh, thanks again. And um, thank you, Luis. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And um, we will see you all next time. Ciao. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. I really, really hope you got some value and some benefit from today's episode and that you're going to have something to take away and implement right away. Now, if you really enjoy this episode and it feels helpful, there are two things I want you to do. Number one, I need you to subscribe to the show. The reason why is because we are pumping out content every single week that's going to help you grow. And the newer techniques and tactics and strategies I'm learning, I am telling you on this show. So make sure you're plugged in every single week. Number two, make sure you text the Google voice number I have for this podcast. I've set up a specific number to receive your feedback. It goes right into my cell phone. It's a Google voice number. And that number is 561 405 7838. You can just text that number like a normal text and I will get it. Now, I'm not going to say if I don't know if it works internationally, but if you're in the US and Canada, I'm sure you can shoot me a text and give me some feedback on this episode or any way I can help you. That is where you can connect with me directly. That's 561 405 7838. I look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you on the next episode. Peace out.